We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or, of course, on your computer for live streaming, www.citr.ca. So we have a rather special show this evening, but we are going to do our jazz feature as usual um, this evening. But uh, after the jazz feature, I have a very special guest who has uh, dropped by. He uh, currently uh, he lived for many years here in Vancouver and was a, a big part of the uh, jazz scene and music scene for many years and moved to New Orleans. And he's up here on a very short uh, vacation. And uh, we're going to welcome him to the show after the jazz feature. And you may recognize his name. He's a wonderful saxophonist and plays primarily the tenor saxophone. His name is John Doheny, and he'll be joining me after we hear the uh, uh, tonight's jazz feature. So please, um, it'd be worth your while to uh, stay around. He's got a lot to say about uh, his wonderful city that he lives in and all the culture that's there and, uh, and uh, all that kind of stuff. But we're going to get to our jazz feature right away. And it is the late and wonderful Bobby Hutcherson. Bobby was born in Pasadena, California, and passed away, sad to say. Um, actually, he was born January 27th, 1941, and he passed away, from, uh, sadly, from uh, emphysema. August 15th. 2016. It was a huge loss. Uh, Bobby was 75. Um, he was still occasionally performing, even though he had to take a respirator with him and this sort of thing. And he was one of the best-loved musicians in the Bay Area. Of course, he went on. Bobby, um, as I said, was originally—he came from a musical family. His older brother, Teddy, was uh, inspired uh, young Bobby to play. And he got to know Eric Dolphy because Bobby's sister was one of Eric Dolphy's early girlfriends. And so there was a connection there. And, of course, Bobby later on appeared uh, with Eric Dolphy when they met up in New York City and, of course, was a participant in one of Eric Dolphy's uh, most uh, iconic records, and that's the album uh, Out to Lunch that came out on Blue Note Records. Anyway, Bobby developed a, a career playing the vibes. He fell in love with the vibes after hearing Milt Jackson and said, that's the instrument that I want to play, and um, bought himself a set of, uh, of vibes and very quickly um, learned them uh, and, and was sitting in with some of the uh, more prominent musicians around uh, the Los Angeles area, and he managed to be heard by um, a great uh, uh, Al Gray and Billy Mitchell. They had a band together. Al Gray was a wonderful trombone player, and Billy Mitchell, a tenor saxophonist from Detroit. They had a band, and uh, they liked what Bobby was doing, and he joined them, and that's how Bobby Hutchison ended up in New York City. 
Um, he left them in New York, and of course, once he started associating with the musicians in New York, people like Jackie McLean, Andrew Hill, Herbie Hancock, Joe Henderson, Archie Shepp, Eric Dolphy, of course, um, Bobby never looked back. And of course, he began recording prolifically, uh, not only as a sideman, but uh, as a leader for Blue Note Records. And then later on in the late 60s, he returned to the West Coast and bought some acreage with his second wife, Rosemary, and they moved to down Highway 1 to Montara, California, and Bobby built uh, a beautiful home there. And um, during that time, after moving back to the West Coast, he formed a wonderful band with veteran tenor saxophonist Harold Land, and they toured all over the country with uh, different rhythm sections. But the band that we're interested in came a little later. This was after the Harold Land-Bobby Hutchison band broke up. And Bobby formed a band of primarily San Francisco-based musicians. This was the core band, uh, and it featured Bobby on Vibes and Marimba. Now, the difference between Vibes and Marimba, Marimba has wooden bars, and it sounds, well, sounds more like wood, whereas Vibes have got metal bars, and, of course, they ring and uh, gives, you know, that sort of sound. So this, that's the difference between the two instruments. Bobby fell in love with both of them and, and played them both extensively in this band, and Along with Bobby in the core band was uh, one of my favorite people, Emmanuel Boyd, Manny Boyd. And uh, sad to say Manny died uh, quite young. He was only 50. But what a wonderful tenor saxophonist. He also played flute and was had a beautiful sound on soprano saxophone. And on bass, the great James Leary III. James is still very much with us and performs. He doesn't live in the Bay Area anymore. He's moved back to uh, uh, Arkansas, where he was originally from. But uh, he still teaches and plays. And the drummer in the band was the great San Francisco drummer, Eddie Marshall. So that was the core band, those four guys. And they, at times, a piano was added to their band, um, maybe somebody like George Cables or Dwight Dickerson or the gentleman we're going to hear on the jazz feature uh, this evening, uh, Larry Nash, wonderful piano player, plays electric piano and acoustic piano. And sometimes they added percussion um, instruments as well. But basically that was the core band. And if uh, those of you out there can remember... Bobby Hutchison came to Vancouver in the mid-70s and played at Oil Can Harry's, which was down on Thurlow Street, and they had an upstairs jazz room, and he brought the core quartet there, and uh, it was a wonderful engagement, and uh, we got a chance to hear this, this band. The problem with this uh, band, they did record a number of albums, but they're hard to find. And we have to thank Mosaic Records for bringing these to um, Compact Disc. And uh, they, they put them all on a wonderful box set and collated um, Bobby Hutchison and his work from this period because it was rather neglected. And uh, we have to thank Mosaic for bringing it back to life. 
So the album that we're going to hear is called View from the Inside. And as Bobby relates in the album notes, he said a lot of the tunes here are very kind of reflective. Um, he said it was a, a funny period in my life. There was a lot of sadness happening. Um, he said his mom had just passed away, and he was feeling that deeply. And different things were happening in, in his personal life as well. And it, it, it is reflected um, in the sound of the music. And this this band had a unique sound. It 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 could swing hard like most bands, but it had a, a beautiful ethereal quality as well, as you'll hear. So um I think you're gonna enjoy and I know you're gonna enjoy the jazz feature this evening. So once again, Bobby Hutchison, the late great, um leading the band, playing vibes and marimba, Manny Boyd on tenor and soprano saxophone. Larry Nash on piano and electric piano, James Leary III on bass, and Eddie Marshall on drums. And the tunes we're going to hear from this album, album called View from the Inside. The first tune is um, a reflective ballad written by Bobby Hutchison, and it's called Later Even. Then my favorite track on the album is tune number two, and that's named after a street in uh, New York City, and Houston Street, Thursday afternoon. And Bobby was inspired to write this. They were, they were in a limousine, and they were um, on their way to a gig, and the limousine was driving down Houston Street, and it was a very, very hot August day in New York City. And, of course, everyone was sitting out on their balconies and stoops and so on. It was kind of a lazy, um, almost a melancholy feeling to the day. And so that's reflected in tune number two, Houston Street, Thursday afternoon. Then... Uh, we have the longest track on the album to follow that. It's called Same Shame, and that's another composition by Bobby Hutchison. And following that is one of uh, James Leary's uh, great tunes. It's called Love Can Be Many Things. And then we have a tune by Emmanuel Boyd, by Manny Boyd, dedicated to a lady in his life, and it's a beautiful thing called Song for Annie. And then the only standard um, on the whole set is a beautiful tune that uh, Horace Silver recorded this tune, and it, it inspired Bobby to uh, play this tune as well. And it's a, a standard tune, not a well-known one, but a beautiful one. It's called For Heaven's Sake. And the final tune is, again, a composition by bassist James Leary, and that ends the set. The tune is called Laugh, Laugh Again. Good advice. <laughs> there you go. So, without further ado, as they say, our jazz feature this evening, View from the Inside and the first tune, Later, Even.
Thank you. 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, was our jazz feature this evening. And wonderful album by Bobby Hutcherson from, I think, uh, kind of a neglected period of his uh, of his very long career. And uh, this particular band, uh, the core band, was made up of uh, musicians that were based at the time uh, in the Bay Area. And, of course, uh, we heard Bobby Hutchison on Vibes and Marimba. We also heard Emmanuel Boyd, Manny Boyd, who played uh, both the tenor and soprano saxophone. And on piano, Larry Nash playing electric and acoustic piano. James Leary III on bass and the great Eddie Marshall on drums. And as I mentioned before, this band had a unique quality. They could swing their buns off, but they also had kind of an ethereal quality to their music and uh, very, very charming and very easy to listen to, but also very deep as well. The, uh, the pieces of music we heard, we opened with uh, Bobby with, um, Without the Horn, um, and he played his own composition called Later Even. And then I think my favorite track on the whole album is kind of a, a moody uh, piece. It sort of re- reflects what uh, the band saw when they were driving down Houston Street in New York City. Uh, it was a very hot August day, and people were out on the stoops, and the kids were playing in fire hydrants and all that kind of stuff, and there was kind of a a lazy feel um, and poignant as well to the whole scene. And I think that piece of music, the second piece of music reflected that, and it was called Houston Street, Thursday Afternoon by Bobby Hutcherson. And then one more Hutcherson composition, um, the longest track on the album was called Same Shame. It actually had a different title, but uh, we won't get into that right now. <laughs> That's another story. Then a con- uh, the next tune we heard was one called Love Can Be Many Things, written by bassist James Leary. And then we heard a very beautiful piece dedicated to um, a lady that was in Manny Boyd's life. Uh, her name was Annie, and that was Song for Annie. Then we heard um, the standard tune of the set. It's an old tune that... Uh, Horace Silver made a wonderful recording of this tune, and I think it inspired Bobby to uh, do his version of a tune called For Heaven's Sake. And the final tune by James Leary, once again, Laugh, Laugh Again. And it kind of had a, almost a, a disco feel to it, and uh, ending up this marvelous album called View from the Inside. So that was our jazz feature this evening. We hope you enjoyed it, and you are, of course, listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9. My name's Gavin Walker, and if you listen on your computer for live streaming, it's CITR.ca. And as of now, we're going to turn the microphone over to somebody who I promised at the beginning of the show, and he's come all the way up here from the Crescent City, city of the birth of jazz, New Orleans, and of course, um, he lived many years here in Vancouver, 
but makes his home in New Orleans, and uh, it's probably doing more playing down there than you ever played when uh, you were here. Certainly more different kinds of uh, music. You know, the, it's, it's true everywhere that the more flexible you are, the more you work, but uh, that's really too, true in uh, New Orleans. I have to say, though, before we get into this stuff, that that's, uh, the Hutcherson uh, music that you were playing, uh, it was such a perfect environment for me to listen to it because there's no distractions here in the studio and all I have to do is listen and allow myself to be transported by this music. And I was sitting out there just thinking, man, this this is so beautiful. Hmm. And uh, it really does uh, put your head in a space. And, and uh, it's unfortunate that uh, in this day and age, many times people don't have the patience to, to listen in the way that you need to. Uh, with that kind of stuff. Anyway, I, I guess you've got uh, Boogie Live queued mm-hmm. up. Uh, I should say a little bit about the music. It, it's uh, Well, I would like to. Uh, uh, actually, I, I haven't in- introduced you yet. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> Who the hell is that? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Who's this guy from New Orleans, you know? Um, his name is John Doheny, and he's uh, an extremely fine saxophonist. And has been was a big part of the Vancouver scene for many many years before uh, moving on to New Orleans, and of course he's done so many things down there. You were teaching at Tulane University, yeah, for six years. You know, for a long time. How, how six many? years. Six years. Great. And, uh, created the. I, I, I hate to blow my own horn, but well, nobody else is going to do it. So, uh, they had no uh, jazz performance studies program when I came there as a, in New Orleans as, as the world's oldest grad student Tulane is is more of like Simon Fraser it's um, uh, a fine arts university and the music department was permanently mired in 1959 uh, and the chair of the department whose name happened to be Bar- Barbara Jaswinski uh, <laughs> asked me if I'd be interested in creating some uh, combo classes and, and jazz performance classes and eventually I wound up creating this whole department um, along with uh, some of my colleagues, Jesse McBride and Jeff Clapp. These are all uh, well-known musicians in New Orleans. And, uh, yeah, it was surprising to me, too. I went down there to do a master's in jazz history, but uh, I found out that uh, Tulane did not have that stuff, and now they do. So they have a Bachelor of Jazz degree. Uh, it's for credit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're for credit courses. Good. Um, you know, you're talking about doing a lot of playing, um, I'm kind of hiding out down there uh, because it's the only place I know where I can actually make a living just playing the horn. It's, it's, I'm not getting rich, but, uh, you know, I generally tend to have a gig pretty much every day. As, as we sit here now, I'm losing hundreds of dollars uh, by, <laughs> by not being in New Orleans. But I, my brother lives up here, and that was the plan to come up and visit him. Then when I started calling people up here, I started getting gigs. I was playing with... Uh, uh, Adam Rolick's Hip Pocket uh, band at Provençal in Yaletown uh, the second night I was here, absolutely having a ball. Uh, and it was such beautiful weather, and the front of the restaurant was, it was Nino de Pasquale on drums and Brent Gubbles on bass. and, and uh, Oh, good guys. Um, uh, uh, I've never met the guitar player before, and I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, Dave... Um, Sekula? Sekula. Oh, yeah. oh, he's marvelous. Uh, so it was great fun. And um, when you, when you, people probably don't realize this living in Vancouver, but there is a definite kind of West Coast vibe to 
the playing here. I don't, I'm not suggesting that people are, are deliberately trying to sound, you know, the cliched Chet Baker kind of thing, but the music that you play is is uh, so influenced by the environment that you live in, and and here you have the mountains and the ocean, and and uh, they're very close to nature and that sort of thing. So it's, it really isn't going to have. There's no way it could have that kind of hard-edged uh, New York effect. Mm-hmm. And I was just taking a bath in this, you know. And then on Saturday, I was playing with Mike Van Eye's big band out at the Fort Langley Jazz Festival. And, you know, the same thing. I was just having so much fun. I played Friday night with uh, Cam Hood and Mike Krieber at the oh, Red, with the Red, Red Lion in Red West Lion. Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Johnson wasn't there, his hip replacement. Right. Uh, but apparently he was there on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nobody can keep a good man down. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, this is all going somewhere, trust me. Um, in New Orleans, it is neither fish nor fowl. It's, it's not a, as we'll hear when we uh, listen to some of this music from uh, the Alvin Baptiste band. It's, this quartet, by the way, is, has had a whole bunch of different names. At one time, it was called the All-American Jazz Quartet. Um, yeah, well, you know, it was 61, you know, you need all the help you can get. Uh, and uh, it, the drummer is, uh, of course, uh, Ed Blackwell, Ed Blackwell, who is a, a, a New Orleans native, yes. uh, famous for making his own drums, mm-hmm. because he felt that uh, it, when you did that, you imbue the drum with your spirit if you make it yourself. So New Orleans modern jazz in the early 60s was not West Coast, and nor was it New York. Um, I, I think of it as having uh, humidity to it. <laughs> oh, right. Um, because that's the environment you live in. You're living in a swamp. And uh, that's going to, you know, you don't want to play super fast stuff, but they do. You know, there's a couple of burners in that set. Mm-hmm. But in general, you, you know, the old Bunk Johnson uh, adage, don't play anything faster and you can walk, <laughs> um, tends to hold, hold true. Uh, but I really do think that the New Orleans modern jazz then and now has a very distinct sound to it that's not duplicated anywhere else. It's a very really regional sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. Let's get All to right. it. So that's what your uh, that was the the idea. The preamble. And and <laughs> you know, I, I, once again, you know, I I'm I'm having so much fun. Um, you know hanging with my friends and, and my brother and, and playing music here and uh, reconnecting with, you know, all the cats like you. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and when I was at Provincial, I was looking out and I thought, man, if I could work here every night and if I could find someplace to live for less than $3,000 a month yeah. that wasn't a closet, yeah. um, I might start to think <laughs> about moving back. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but it's it wouldn't no I'm I'm I like it where I am and and there's so much work, uh, and it, it, to the point where you know some days you get three gigs in one day, and that's incredible. Uh, yeah, I mean I yeah. I have uh, on the Wednesday uh, Saturday and Sunday I have a house gig with a trio at the Court of Two Sisters, uh, which starts at nine in the morning and goes to three in the afternoon. It's a jazz brunch, which sounds like a long gig, but it's so easy. Because you just sit there and drink free coffee and play like Lester Young tunes all day and, oh. and Ben Webster thing. It's that kind of 30s, 40s, small combo jazz. It's a trio with a bass and guitar. Yeah. Then after that, the same trio has a gig from 6 to 9 at the Creole Cookery, which is right around the corner. 
uh, on Saturday night. And then on Sunday night, until quite recently, I had an organ trio gig around the next corner at a place called the Café Beignet. Uh, and then when I was playing in the Café Beignet, the band leader, this guy Jerry, who's the bass player at the, the uh, Crescent City Brewery, came by. And you know, all the windows are open because it's warm. And he would stand there and listen. And finally, we started talking. And he hired me to play Mondays at the Crescent City Brewery. So all four of these gigs are within a block and a half of each other. And um, it's just, it's great, man. I, I really, you know, all I want to do is play the saxophone. I turned 65 last year. I don't care anymore. <laughs> That's the great, as you know, the great thing about being old is you just don't give a crap. Yeah. And so you're just going to do uh, what's fun for you. And, and uh, you know, I have no ambition, you know. I just go to the gig and play the horn. Yeah. It's fabulous. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I, have, I feel like I'm starting all over. Right. I, I ain't retiring, man, and neither are you. <laughs> you, know, you don't look like you're going anywhere. I mean, no, I'm here. Anyway, let's, let's play some music. All right. So this is uh, this particular band. The leader is uh, Ed Blackwell. Yeah. Right? And we also have... known as Boogie. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, so that's why it's called Boogie Live. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. That was his nickname. Nickname Boogie. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Ed Blackwell on drums, Boogie. All right. Uh, Doctor Alvin Baptiste on clarinet. Nat Perilliat on tenor saxophone. Amazing tenor player. Oh, he died, is. died far too young. Yeah, I know. I, I did meet him in uh, in San Francisco many years. John Handy introduced mm -hmm. me to him and. Uh, um, what an incredible player. Yeah, and uh, yeah. very under-recorded. Yeah. I mean, he did a lot of recording, but it was R&B stuff. For, yeah, and uh, kind of buried. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. his straight-ahead jazz stuff, there's not too much of it. No, no. He did do that one album with, um, with the Adderley brothers. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, oh, you want a Cannibal yeah. Adderley story? Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, there's, <laughs> a, there's a... Uh, <laughs> uh, I got a million of them. Yeah, there yeah. used to be a restaurant in the French Quarter run by the Vaucresson mm -hmm. family. Maybe you already know this. Um, and uh, the old man, Volkerson, was one of these light-skinned black guys, they call them Creoles of color in, in New Orleans, who could, maybe he could have passed, and he just didn't mention what race he was. Oh, okay. So he was so. the first black man to open a, a restaurant in the French Quarter in the 50s. And when Cannonball would come to town, he, uh, if he wasn't at the club or at the hotel, he would be at the, be at the Volkerson restaurant. And you knew he was there because he walked in the front door and you could hear him in the back going, why, yes, darling, I do have room for the bread pudding. <laughs> so I got that from from Alvin Batiste. Oh, you know. cool! Yeah. Oh, that's great. So Alvin Batiste is playing clarinet, Nat Perilliat on tenor, and Ellis Marcellus, mm -hmm. the, the the father of Winton and Branford and Alfeo, the Marcellus uh, clan on piano, and Otis DeVerney on drum on bass. Yeah. And we're going to hear a tune uh, written by Harold Batiste called to Brownie, obviously dedicated to Clifford Brown. I'd like to take some time at the beginning to introduce the members of the group. We have Nathaniel Perrell out on tenor saxophone. <laughs> Ellis Marcellus on piano. <laughs> Otis DeVerney on bass. And Edward Blackwell on the drums. And Alvin Baptiste on clarinet. The 
The first number is a composition written by a very talented musician in the New Orleans community, Harold Baptiste. It's written to honor the great trumpet player, Clifford Brown. It's entitled To Brown. Thank <laughs> you. 
Well, uh, that well. was... <laughs> well, indeed. That was an incredible uh, excursion, musical excursion into the chord changes of uh, I Remember April. Unbelievable. What we heard, uh, we heard two pieces. Um, the first piece was entitled To Brownie, uh, dedicated, obviously, to Clifford Brown. And the second piece was called Fourth Month, which is based on the great uh, standard that every jazz musician knows. I'll remember April. Fourth month is April. Yeah, that's the connection. The musicians we heard all based in New Orleans, and we heard Ed Blackwell, the great Ed Blackwell on drums. Boogie, right? Yeah. And Dr. Alvin Batiste on clarinet, Nat Perilliat on tenor saxophone. What an incredible player he was. Mm -hmm. He, uh, and he, Sad to say, he died young. Yeah, yeah. and very, very underrecorded. I, I, his commercial work with R and B bands, uh, he did a lot of recording, but very little of his straight ahead work yeah. survives. And as you can tell from listening to that, he was just an unbelievable what player, incredible player. Yeah, that's uh, this is a really um, good example of of him playing at his best. And of course, the patriarch of the uh, Marcellus family, Ellis. Um, Marcellus on piano and bassist Otis DeVernay. And uh, he's, he's something else, too, to keep, yeah, man. To keep up with that tempo. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of cats in New Orleans that never, you know, Chuck Beatty would be another example of a great New Orleans uh, modern jazz bassist that uh, a lot of people haven't heard of outside the city. And he played with uh, Coltrane when Coltrane came to town. And, mm-hmm. and as far as I know, he's still alive. He's in his 80s. Well, you want to get into some doc? Sure. Uh, as your listeners no doubt know, the uh, amazing and eccentric Dr. John uh, passed quite recently, and um, uh, there was a unbelievable second-line funeral celebration uh, in New Orleans. Uh, his, Dr. John's real name was Malcolm John Rebenack. And uh, I guess from what Gavin's queuing up there, we're going to hear some of... Uh, a uh, record that he made with Don, Donald Harrison Jr. The, the CD that I have here is called Funky New Orleans uh, by Dr. John, uh, but it's actually been released also under Donald Harrison Jr.'s name, uh, and it's called Indian Blues. And for those of you who've seen uh, the series Treme, um, the whole plot around uh, the trumpet player's character and Clark Peters' character is a Mardi Gras Indian where uh, his son starts incorporating Mardi Gras Indian music into straight-ahead jazz formats, is lifted directly from, from this. Uh, uh, Donald Harrison Jr.'s father was the late Donald Harrison Sr., who was chief of the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Golden Blades Mardi Gras Indian tribe. Oh. And uh, we don't even have time to get into what that is. It's a whole other show. But, um, so the whole idea of him uh, incorporating these traditional uh, Indian chants and tunes uh, into jazz is... Uh, uh, this is the real story. You know, the the dramatization is in on HBO. Wow! So, we, can you slip me the sleeve a minute there, and I can sure recommend uh, what we might want to start with. Sure. Uh, as soon as I can get my. I'm my guest this evening. On where? Yes, uh, you need course. to introduce me again because <laughs> I've forgotten who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I have to reintroduce the show as well and uh, let you know that you are listening to uh, CITR FM 101.9, of course, on your computer, 
for live streaming, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're right in the middle of the jazz show, a very mm. special edition. And we have uh, this evening a very special guest who is visiting Vancouver from New Orleans and um, talking about the New Orleans jazz scene and so on. My good friend John Doheny, right. a marvelous tenor saxophonist and uh, uh, somebody who really um, has, in his years living in New Orleans, absorbed the amazing culture that that city offers. And if you sit there long enough and listen, something's going to slip into you. Uh, so you might, you might want to start out with track two, which is called Big Chief. Uh, Big Chief is a song by uh, R&B guitarist Earl King, uh, but it's also been adopted by uh, the Montego Indian tribes of New Orleans who are uh, black men. Uh, it's a tradition called masking Indian, and uh, it comes from uh, the maroon culture of escaped slaves who would marry into the surrounding Indian tribes and uh, would therefore be granted the full rights of a human being. Uh, and this is a whole culture. If you if you wander around in New Orleans, you're going to see all kinds of black people with that kind of hatchet face and, and uh, pumice stone complexion. Uh, and this is uh, Dr. John and Donald Harrison Jr. Uh, playing and singing this song in a more uh, modern jazz style. Hmm. All right. Thank you. 
Man, that was something else. Yeah, man. That's uh, that's music with some humidity to it, and and uh, <laughs> that is a regional groove. Um, you know, we were talking about African rhythm as well. The record was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to talk about the the origins of jazz, you have to talk about Africanized rhythms, which come from the drum circles in Congo Square uh, in New Orleans. That uh, under the French and the Spanish. Uh, slaves were allowed Sundays off if they converted to Catholicism, which, not being idiots, they all did. Uh, and they were allowed, after church, to go into Congo Square. There's a plaque there now that explains all this, and play their rhythms, uh, which completely changed the way that uh, uh, North American audiences have heard music. We live on the other side of that rhythmic revolution, so it sounds normal to us. Mm-hmm. But um, without getting too technical, um, it just makes you feel kind of dancey, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, you, you have to move to it. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, two-way pocky-way, by the way, is um, another Mardi Gras Indian phrase, uh, which uh, there's all kinds of different interpretations of what it means. Um, umbawe, two-way pocky-way. Umbawe means may I pass in, in uh, Creole French, and two-way pocky-way means don't kill him. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so if you're out on Mardi Gras day and you see some Indians coming and you go two way pocky way, and they say, uh, uh, they say uh, umba way and, and they say two way pocky way, you may pass. If they say no umba way, then you're going to get your behind kicked. And in the old days, you know, nowadays the the tribes don't fight each other. It's all an aesthetic competition. Right. So, you know, you sew these beautiful suits and you confront each other and say, I'm the prettiest, I'm the big chief, I'm the one they talk about. I go in that graveyard, kick over tombstone, throw that thunder, flash that lightning, make a humba. And I, you know, I'm not kidding, man. This is the, you know, this is something that's not something you read in a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, now that we're moving on to this uh, uh, Mac album, uh, Dr. John album that he made with uh, uh, Art Blakey and uh, Fathead Newman, uh, I believe the first track you got queued up is called Shoe Fly, um, which is an old Mardi Gras Indian prison chant. Yes. Uh, and uh, you can, you know, w- when I was a kid, you know, when I would hear this stuff, it just sounded like groovy rhythms to me. But now that I have a master's in musicology, uh, I can recognize that Blakey and, and all these other musicians on these records uh, 
are using uh, Blakey plays a lot of what are just straight up uh, Haitian drum salutes and uh, rara patterns that have uh, specific meanings uh, in Haiti Haitian voodoo and New Orleans voodoo and uh, in the Latin world it's santeria and all of these music traditions have specific rhythms that they associate with the various loa things mm-hmm. like that and of course Dr. John's first album Grigri was uh, based on a lot of these things so um, it, there's an organic wholeness to New Orleans music that it doesn't really ma- matter what style you're listening to or what period. It's all tied together by these Africanized rhythms. So that's it. That's Well, it's, you know, I used to take a whole semester to teach it, this. but I, In a nutshell. Yeah, in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. Once again, my uh, uh, valued guest here on The Jazz Show is my good friend John Doheny. John Doheny, who is uh, visiting us from, well, Crescent City, New Orleans. And boy, are we having a ball in here. All right. <laughs> All right. So here we go with um, Art Blakey, Dr. John, and David Fathead Newman, and Shoe Fly.
life is a one-way ticket and ain't no second time around you know life is a one-way ticket and ain't no second time around Get all you can out of life before you six feet in the ground. When you get your big money, better buy everything you could. When you get your big money, buy everything you could. By six in a day, all the money in the world won't do you no good. Some people believe in reincarnation. I swear, I believe when you're dead, you're done. Some people believe in reincarnation. Been from here to eternity, trying to find my little place in the sun.
The Louisiana Triangle. Yes, indeed. All right. Ain't never seen a funeral, an armored car, and a funeral yet. <laughs> so I just, you know, before you kick me out of here, I wanted to say a little bit about uh, Mac. Uh, sure. As he was known to his friends. Please do. Um, uh, probably the greatest uh, living repository of the, the New Orleans music tradition, but more importantly, the grand piano master, piano professor. A tradition, and that tune we heard was by uh, one of the old masters, uh, Cousin Joe, mm. who his real name literally was Pleasant Joe. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you, uh, life's a one-way ticket, and uh, Mac is gone now, um, but he left us all this music to enjoy. And uh, I forget, I think it was Art Farmer who said, uh, um, you know, Lester Young is not gone, you know, John Coltrane is not gone. They're, they're here in us, and uh, they will always be here. Yeah. So on that happy note, <laughs> I'll get out of your hair. <laughs> well, I'd just like to uh, go over what we, uh, what we heard. We did hear Shoe Fly Don't Bother Me and Life's a One-Way Ticket, and, of course, uh, with Dr. John playing the piano and David Fathead Newman playing the flutes and tenor saxophone. And, of course, the great Art Blakey on drums. And the bassist. And, and vocals, don't forget. Oh, yeah, and vocals. one verse. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. And, um, of course, the uh, the bassist kind of holding everything up was a young man by the name of Essiet Essiet. And a very, very fine bassist who uh, um, played in one of the very last editions of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. So this is probably why he was on this yeah, game. Yeah, so I'm guessing that's you know, why he was on the They just had that thing together. Where yeah. they could. So, uh, and this is a, a legendary album called The Bluesiana Triangle. The rumor is that there was a Bluesiana Triangle 2, but I have not managed to track it down. Yet. It's the most holy glail. So we There's some see. jazz albums like yeah. that, too. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, this is an amazing record, and, and uh, I was just thinking, you know, you may think you're hip, but you are not hip like Mac Rebinat going, all right, one, two. <laughs> and, and that, you know, just for, for those of you who don't know about New Orleans accents, if you hear somebody talking like a southerner in New York, they ain't in New Orleans, they ain't from there. Uh, the local accent is called a yet accent, is in way yet, and uh, the doctor would uh, speak in a, in a perfect distillation of the yet accent. There, we're doing a little, little double rump bumping and uh, clean jumping, and uh, you know, squeeze a few heads and pinch a few tails. You heard me. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> That's the sound of New Orleans. It's not Rhett Butler. Uh, yeah, oh, exactly. Well, it's, yeah, it's not the Hollywood version. No, I, they can't see on the radio, but I am wearing a T-shirt that says, you heard me. <laughs> and we did this evening. My uh, my guest, a very welcome guest, um, 
and uh, we hope that he comes back uh, to Vancouver soon. Maybe, uh, maybe next year. Maybe if you know if you hit yeah. that if you hit that big money, you can come yeah. up here. And or, re- or yeah. if anybody listening wants to offer me a gig, um, I'm on the internet. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely, look, add me on Facebook, bro. Oh yeah, yeah, John Doheny. D O H E N Y. There you go, and. Uh, so thank you very much for uh, making the trek out here to uh, our studio out here. Oh at man, the it's always such a pleasure, and and you know we've known each other for so long. It's it's real always old home week when we get to cut up in here while the record's playing and the people can't hear. Yeah, what, what we're talking about. You know? Exactly. Well, you know, I think uh, anybody listening this evening got a pretty good education of. Uh, um, the 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 amazing culture of the city of New Orleans. Yeah, they they say New Orleans is uh, New York is the center of the jazz business, and that's very true. But uh, New Orleans is a jazz culture, and it hits you as soon as you walk out the front door. Uh, the music is everywhere, and it can come on you anytime. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, Gab. All right, you are listening to the Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9. We've got some announcements that we're going to make, but not right now. (laughs) We'd just like to remind you that you are listening to uh, 101.9 on your FM dial, and of course for live streaming, CITR.ca. And we're going to continue with some music by Oliver Nelson. And Oliver, of course, is one of the finest composer arrangers but he was also one hell of a tenor alto and soprano saxophonist master originally from st louis missouri and this is um an album with oliver on tenor saxophone with lem winchester on vibes he was the um the playing policeman lem winchester was a cop who uh who um actually played music only part-time but he was so good that he got on a lot of records and sad to say he was taken from us uh, at a very early age. I won't get into the story, but uh, Lamb Winchester, a great vibes player. On Hammond organ, someone named Johnny Hammond Smith, as opposed to Jimmy Smith. This is different. George Tucker is on bass and the living master of the drums, Roy Haynes. And we're going to hear a piece of music now called Train Whistle by Oliver Nelson. Thank you. 
Yeah, I think that was uh, in line with some of the music that we heard when uh, John Doheny was here presenting uh, Dr. John and all those people. I think this was a good follow-up. That was Oliver Nelson, the great Oliver Nelson, playing both alto and tenor saxophone on that particular track. And it was called Train Whistle. And um, that's the title track from this, uh, or not the title track, that's the first track on this album called Taking Care of Business. And it was recorded in early 1960 with uh, Oliver leading the band, Lem Winchester on Vibes, Johnny Hammond Smith on Hammond organ, George Tucker on bass, and Roy Haynes on drums. Train whistle. Mm-hmm. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR, and my name's Gavin Walker, and of course we broadcast at 101.9 on your FM dial, and we also live stream CITR.ca. We have a couple of announcements. Uh, we've kind of uh, uh, haven't done too much of this this evening, so uh, a couple of important announcements. And we'll, we'll be back very shortly with some more music. But first of all... Calling all artists. Calling all artists. Do you want to show your pride at UBC? UBC is looking for individuals and teams to submit designs for Pride installation. It will debut as part of the UBC Pride event on September 6th. Your installation will help raise awareness and visibility of the LGBTQ2SIA community. Submissions from these communities are encouraged and will be prioritized. Winners will receive $1,000 to help build the installations and $2,000 upon completion of the artwork. Find all of the details at sustain.ubc.ca slash prideart or look us up by searching for UBC Pride installation competition online. Hurry! The deadline to apply is July 28th. This is a rectangular, mind-filling word containing whatchamacallit. Called a book. B-O-O-K book. To read. If you love books, art, zines, art books, zine art, books about zine art, zines about art books, or some other combination of those three words, why not come volunteer for the Vancouver Art Book Fair? Gain valuable experience, make cool friends, and score free merch. It's a great way to develop skills in event production, leadership, fundraising, and more. The Vancouver Art Book Fair takes place October 18th to 20th, but volunteer registration closes July 31st, so hurry! To register, visit VancouverArtBookFair.com. Tonight, clear, becoming partly cloudy overnight with a low of 15. 
Uh, tomorrow is going to be a nice mix of sun and cloud with a low of 14 and highs between 22 and 25. Then on Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud once again with a low of 15 and a high of 24. Uh, Thursday, same, a mix of sun and cloud with a low of 15, high of 24. Friday is going to be cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower with a low of 17 and a high of 24. I can imagine the humidity be pretty high on uh, Friday. And then as we get into the long weekend, um, Saturday is going to be very pleasant. A mix of sun and cloud, low 15, high of 22. And Sunday, sunny. Sunny Sunday, all right, with a low of 15 and a high of 23. So the weather sounds pretty pleasant for the rest of the week. And uh, there you go. I'd just like to remind you of a couple of uh, important websites. One of them is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, and that's coastaljazz.ca. Everything is on that website. They have up-and-coming concerts, even though the Jazz Festival is long since, uh, is now history. Um, they have up-and-coming concerts and productions throughout the year. And, of course, uh, you can access the music schedule at Frankie's, uh, Vancouver, one of Vancouver's leading jazz clubs. Frankie's, of course, which is down on Beattie Street, and there's fine music there. It's programmed by Corey Weeds, and uh, he makes sure that uh, there's all kinds of good stuff happening at Frankie's. And if you get on the Coastal Jazz website, which is coastaljazz.ca, you can uh, see up-and-coming events at Frankie's and uh, make your plans accordingly. There you go. And Another fine website is vancouverjazz.com. That's a, a good website to browse around. That's put together by my old friend Brian Nation, and he keeps uh, that website up to date and uh, makes for some interesting browsing. And uh, those of you that don't know, there's a, a long history of uh, music here in Vancouver. And if you go onto uh, Brian's website, Coast, or um, VancouverJazz.com. Um, there's a lot of uh, historical stuff on there and stuff you can check out. Also, I like to mention Pat's Pub. Now, they have, um, coming up this uh, August, there's going to be some big band music every Friday at Pat's Pub, and there is a cover charge for that. Um, and you can check out by uh, uh, going on the uh, Pat's Pub um, on Facebook very easy and and find out the schedule but every saturday afternoon from three to seven many of our finest musicians play at pat's pub which of course is located in the historic patricia hotel in vancouver's downtown east side and from three to seven every saturday afternoon there is no cover there has never has been a cover and i don't think there ever will be a cover so that makes it uh, makes economic sense, especially in this time, um, to go down and, and check out some of our finest musicians that play at Pat's Pub every Saturday afternoon from 3 to 7. Get there early, though, if you want to get a good seat, because it's always packed out. We are going to uh, actually return 
to the music of Oliver Nelson right now, but from a different recording. And this is a very fine date that he did that uh, with some different instrumentation. This is an album called Main Stem, and it's not as well known as others, but it is one hell of a good jazz album. It features Oliver on tenor saxophone exclusively with the great bassy trumpeter Joe Newman, and uh, they make a fine front-line pair. On piano, Hank Jones, and on bass, George Duvivier, on drums, Charlie Persip, and on conga drums, Ray Barreto. And um, we're going to hear the title track from this album. And... It was written by Duke Ellington, and this is an incredible, I know Duke would be proud if he were uh, to hear this, uh, I'm sure he'd be proud of this version of Mainstem, Oliver Nelson. Thank you. 
Ah, yes, those fade-out endings as they ride off into the sunset. Oliver Nelson on tenor saxophone. He's the leader. And Joe Newman, the great Joe Newman on trumpet. And we heard in the rhythm section Hank Jones on piano. George DeVivier on bass. Charlie Persip on drums. And Ray Barretto on conga drums. And, of course, that was uh, Oliver's version of Duke Ellington's great... uh, uh, blues tune entitled Main Stem. We're going to take you back in history now. Charlie Parker went to the West Coast with Dizzy Gillespie and a whole bunch of people, and they played at um, a Los Angeles club uh, called Billy Berg's. And the People of Los Angeles were not particularly sympathetic with the music of Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie. It wasn't jazz as they thought jazz was going to be. And um, so the the band, of course, had their fans, but uh, a lot of people kind of turned up their nose. Los Angeles wasn't ready for modern jazz. At the end of the engagement, um, Dizzy had made plans to uh, return everybody to New York, but Charlie Parker, uh, well, for a variety of reasons, cashed in his plane ticket because he needed money uh, for his uh, drug habit, basically, and so (laughs) that was it. And so the rest of the band headed back to New York, and Charlie Parker stayed in Los Angeles and, of course, became, for a while, um, part of the Los Angeles jazz scene. And, of course, because he was Charlie Parker, uh, eventually uh, an opportunity to record and put together a band to record was uh, made available to him 
Uh, and so on March 28, 1946, Charlie Parker put this um, particular band together to record. And, of course, what they did record are classics. This uh, session was quite successful. It featured uh, three Parker compositions and one by Dizzy Gillespie. And we're going to hear uh, Charlie Parker on alto saxophone with the very young Miles Davis on trumpet, who was living there at the time, Lucky Thompson, one of the great unheralded tenor saxophonists here, on piano, Dodo Marmorosa, and a great piano player. Um, Arv Garrison is on guitar, Vic McMillan on bass, and Roy Porter on drums. And, of course, these tunes are now classics in, in jazz. They were recorded for a small label, uh, a local uh, label called Dial Records. And so we're going to hear the first tune is dedicated to... Um, I forget his name now. Emery. Ah. Anyway, he was a friend of Charlie Parker's. It was dedicated to him, and he was known as Moose. Um, and uh, so the first tune is called Moose the Mooch, composition by Charlie Parker. The second tune is another uh, Parker composition called The Yardbird Suite. And tune number three uh, is a co-composition of Charlie Parker and trumpeter Benny Harris. And, of course, the tune, Ornithology. And the final tune is Dizzy Gillespie's great tune, Anthem, A Night in Tunisia. And you have to listen to Charlie Parker's break on that one. Um, it's absolutely incredible, his four-bar alto break on Night in Tunisia. So anyway... These four tunes were issued on Dial Records, and of course they're now classics. Here they are.
We heard the four tunes that made up this uh, historic session. The Charlie Parker Septet recorded in Hollywood, March the 28th, 1946. Charlie Parker making history with the young Miles Davis on trumpet, sounding uh, very confident, and um, Lucky Thompson on tenor saxophone, Dodo Marmorosa on piano, Arv Garrison on guitar, Vic McMillan on bass, and Roy Porter on drums, and of course, Charlie Parker on alto saxophone. We heard uh, the first three tunes were um, all composed by Charlie Parker, the first one was called Moose the Mooch, and the second one was Yardbird Suite, tune number three, Ornithology, and the final tune, of course, was Dizzy Gillespie's classic, A Night in Tunisia. Historic music, still sounding fresh and modern, despite the fact that it was recorded back in 1946, a long time ago. Here is the great drummer Elvin Jones leading a stellar band here um, with his brother Hank on Hank? No. <laughs> He's not on here. His eldest brother is Hank Jones, a great piano player. We heard him a little earlier. No, his, uh, mil- his um, older brother, still, uh, Thad Jones on trumpet, who is uh, one of my all-time favorite trumpeters. Hank Mobley on tenor saxophone. On piano, he was known then as Dollar Brand, the great Abdullah Ibrahim on piano. Donald Moore on bass. And, of course, the incredible Elvin Jones on drums. This is a tune written by Hank Mobley for the date. It's called H.M on FM, Elvin Jones and Company.
one and only Elvin Jones on drums from uh, his album, Midnight Walk. And uh, that was a tune by tenor saxophonist Hank Mobley called HM on FM. And, of course, Elvin Jones leading Thad Jones, his older brother, on trumpet, Hank Mobley, the composer of that tune on tenor saxophone, Abdullah Ibrahim on piano, Donald Moore on bass, and, of course, the redoubtable Elvin Jones on drums. We opened the show this evening with vibist, marimbist Bobby Hutcherson, and we're going to close the show this evening with Bobby Hutcherson from uh, a wonderful album called Waiting. It's still one of my favorite Bobby Hutcherson albums. We hear him on both Vibes and Marimba, and I explained that the Vibes um, have metal bars and Marimba, the Marimba has wooden bars, and that's why there's a difference in the sound, but they're still laid out the same way. Anyway, Bobby Hutcherson on both of those instruments, Manny Boyd on soprano saxophone, George Cables on piano, James Leary III on bass, Eddie Marshall on drums, and Kenneth Nash on percussion. This is a Bobby Hutchison composition dedicated to, well, you know who, from the title. It's called Searchin' the Train. And that will signal the end of our show this evening. So we began with Bobby Hutchison. We're going to end with Bobby Hutchison. Searching the train.
the great Bobby Hutchison on vibes and marimba. And that was his composition called Searching the Train. From his album, Waiting. And we heard Manny Boyd on soprano saxophone, George Cables on piano, James Leary III on bass, and Eddie Marshall on drums, and Kenneth Nash on percussion. All of that stuff was recorded um, in San Francisco in February of 1976, Searching the Train. And so ends another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR, FM 101.9, of course, and for live streaming, citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and uh, I do wish you will be back um, next month, <laughs> the month of August. Uh, we'll be back next week, and we start the show at 9 p.m. and carry on until, well, the wee small hours of the morning. And uh, we will continue to do that for the month of August. So um, we wish you uh, a very uh, happy long weekend. I think the weather is going to be very nice all week as well. So take care of yourselves, and we'll see you in seven days' time. Bye-bye.